Psalm 2. I don't have uh, any of my scriptures up on the uh, screen today, so hopefully you've got um, a Bible app or an actual Bible. Um, But we're going to read mainly from um, Psalm 2 and then also um, Romans 12. So um, just to give you a heads up, Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? That sounds familiar. Uh, The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven, see, he, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision, and he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your, your, your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amazing psalm, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, that we can take refuge in you today. And then Romans uh, 11. So I'm going to pick it up at, towards the end, verse 33. And I'm going to continue into the beginning of Romans 12. <clears throat> so Romans 11:33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And it continues, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Awesome passages, eh? Awesome passages. We're going to come back to those. Yesterday morning at breakfast, uh, Tessa and me and Elena... Uh, Elena, as many of you know, she's brilliant, very advanced for her age. <laughs> She'll be five in a few weeks. No, sorry, a couple of months. And we were talking about opposites, as you do. And Eli was googling and burbling away, as he, as he does, with your porridge all over his face. And we were talking about, you know, what is the opposite of up? What's the opposite of heavy? What's the opposite of darkness? And things like that. And then Elena, and the, Elena kind of, get, you know, was uh, getting into the rhythm of this and. And she asked a tricky question, and she goes, what's the opposite of a tree? I said, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. I said, oh, not, not everything has an opposite. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And she thought it might be a bush. But <clears throat> anyway, I was like, it gets you thinking. Eh? And, then, um, and I sort of think that like, thinking about opposites actually helps you understand, understand, understand the concept. Now, I'm going to come back to this like I'm going to come back to those passages now. So let's narrow in on two words of this passage that I just read from Romans. 
And the words are sacrifice and worship. Sacrifice and worship. The book of Romans is this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christian churches in Rome in probably around AD 57. Nero was the Roman emperor at the time. This is straight from Wikipedia, the reliable source. Most contemporary sources describe him, that's Nero, as tyrannical or tyrannical, self-indulgent and debauched. And we know that Nero persecuted, tortured and executed Christians. And this is only about seven years after, after the book of Romans was written. It's probable that Paul himself, as well as the apostle Peter, were martyred under Nero's rule. And so in this context, seven years earlier, <laughs> that Paul's writing to the Christians in Rome. And, he, and, he's, and he's writing about spiritual worship, which is a bit like saying you're, you're true, you're genuine worship. And he says that spiritual worship is when we present our bodies, all of who we are, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Now we talk about this passage quite a lot at this church, at Vineyard. And so it runs the risk of getting a bit familiar. You go, oh, yeah, living sacrifices, got that, got that all lined up. But I want us to think about imagery, the imagery of sacrifice, just quickly. The Old Testament book of Leviticus is full of descriptions of the kinds of sacrifices that the Israelites were required to do. And some of them are pretty gory. You take the peace offering. <laughs> the peace offering, you think it's going to be nice, like lighting a candle. But no, the peace offering it involved taking a, taking a nice lamb from your flock of lambs if you've got one, and, and killing your lamb, and then throwing its blood against the altar, and then dismembering your lamb, and then throwing, putting all the good parts and burning them on the altar. Like, that's, not very, that's not very pleasant, eh? You, wouldn't you just rather light a peace candle? But that's what, that's what it was. That's what the peace offering, peace sacrifice was. All the sacrifices involved giving up, giving up something. That's what sacrifice is. And the word often used is offering. People would bring something of value, something that they liked, like a lamb. And they would give it up. Or it might be food or all kinds of different things. They would give it up. They would sacrifice it and they would place it before God as an offering. This very visual, visual offering. So when you think about presenting your body as a living sacrifice, you go, oh my goodness, what happened to that lamb? Oh, look at that. Good one, Dave. I need the ESV though, but that's all right. In, 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 no, no, it's not the other thing. NIV's all right. Just jokes. Presenting your body as living, living sacrifice, it's, it's like a lot less comfortable. You're like, I don't want to be like that lamb. And I keep on imagining, um, you know, being on an altar. Oh, this is the way my mind works. Being on an altar. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting off this. I'm running away. I'm like the running away living sacrifice. <laughs> but what Paul is writing here is just consistent with all of the New Testament that we are to give ourselves entirely to God because of his saving grace. Living sacrifices, living, not dead. Living because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. This is a quoting from the ESV Study Bible Notes. It says, Christians are a living sacrifice, meaning that they are alive from the dead since they enjoy new life with Christ. Living also means that they will not be put to death 
as Old Testament animal sacrifices were for Christ, or were, for Christ has fulfilled what was predicted by those sacrifices. Whereas Old Testament worship focused on offering animal sacrifices in the temple, Paul says that spiritual worship in a broad sense now includes offering one's whole life to God. So followers of Jesus, worshippers of Jesus, give their lives to him. And earlier in Romans, Paul talks about how we are buried with him, with Jesus, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. In Galatians, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are, we, we are alive in him, alive in Jesus, alive because of Jesus. And the, this is what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's giving, it's giving all of who we are, or all of what we know of ourselves, to all of, all of him and all we know of him. And this is actually the way to fullness of life. This is the way to fullness of life, to freedom in Christ. True freedom is not something that we, that we, we take for ourselves, like grasping. Grasping for power and independence, that's what Adam and Eve did. They go, oh, there's, there's that uh, fruit on the tree. Uh, it's going to give me autonomy from God. It's going to give me power, whatever. It's going to give me knowledge. True freedom is not something we take like that, we take for ourselves. True freedom is a gift of God, and it comes through Jesus as we give up our rights to him. Giving up our rights is sacrifice. It's a surrender, and this is what worship. This is worship. That's what worship is. So back to the opposite game. You know, James, you're talking about opposites at the start. Are you ever going to bring that back? Here's where I'm going to bring it back. It's interesting to think about what are the opposites of, of sacrifice and what are the opposites of surrender. This is something you might, uh, might want to do yourself just to ponder it. Because it might help us catch a glimpse of true worship and it might also show us uh, where we are holding back. So... Opposites of sacrifice and surrender, I could think of, of the things like resisting or seizing control or taking the power or holding back. What kind of things make us not want to surrender ourselves to God? I think uh, a lot of it is fear, fear of what might happen. What will happen, Lord, if I fully surrender to you or fully am fully vulnerable to you? What are others going to think? <laughs> others, others going to think? Think, James. What are others going to think if you say think? <laughs> they might think I'm a Jesus freak. <laughs> but true and genuine worship involves risk. Like we have to become vulnerable to God. We have to open ourselves up to him. And to do this, we have to trust in him. We have to trust in his goodness, trust in his faithfulness. We trust in his great love for us. And Jesus himself is the ultimate leader in this, isn't he? Jesus, the ultimate leader on what it is to be a living sacrifice, he surrendered all of himself on the cross. As we sang about before, he went to the cross in full obedience and surrendered to God. He laid down all of his rights. He allowed himself to be beaten. This is the Son of God, the King of Kings, and he allows himself to be beaten. He allows himself to be tortured. He allows his hands to be pierced and his feet to be pierced as they nailed him to the cross and was crucified. Philippians 2 speaks of how Jesus emptied himself. Talk about surrender. 
His death, Jesus' death and resurrection is the victory, is victory. There's an old Latin phrase, Christus Victor, or Christus Victor, which speaks of the victory of the cross and the resurrection. His victory is what allows, allows us to become living sacrifices. And he opened the door through his death and resurrection. He opened the door to new life. He released new life, new life that's only found through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. So worship is so key. So key, no wonder it's such a battleground. Because true, genuine worship, the laying down, the surrendering of ourselves, the surrender and sacrifice of people like you and me, who love Jesus, it opens doors. It's the way for us to enter into new life, but also releases new life. And Jesus said, truly, truly, which is another way of saying truly, truly. This is true. I say to you, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So there's a release. There's a release. The, the more we let go of, of what we hold on to, the more we let go of ourselves and, and uh, where we find security and things and like hold on to God, then there's actually a release of life for us and for those around us. That's chapter 12. Fear of man, Proverbs 29, this was yesterday's verse of the day. The fear, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We can trust in him. So that was chapter, that's chapter 12 in Romans. And then the very next chapter, Romans 13, Paul says something that when you think about the context of these Christians in Rome and who was the, who was the emperor at the time and what was about to take place, it's just, it's astonishing, mind-blowing. And he writes to them, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. This is Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. You're like, oh my goodness, Paul. What are you writing about here? There's an elephant in the room this morning, isn't there? <laughs> There's something I haven't really talked about too much. A few, a few blocks away, for almost three weeks now, I was talking about it with a taxi driver on the way, and there's, there's protesters that have been occupying the parliament, parliament grounds, occupying university grounds, right? Uh, not the grounds that I work at, but the university grounds in Pipitea. They've been occupying the bus terminal and so on. There are many messages, many motivations. But my guess is that many feel that they're fighting for their rights, fighting for freedoms, fighting for their freedoms, to end the vaccine mandates. And many of you know, many of you know by now, either you've talked to me personally or you heard what I spoke about last year, but many of you know that I'm in favour of vaccination, that I'm in favour of, of some of the public health measures to prevent, not all of them, some of the public health measures to prevent or limit or slow down the spread of COVID. And so that's where I'm coming from, okay? That's my... That's where I'm coming from on this. But I can't wait for the day that all of these things are lifted, right? That 
we don't need we, that vaccine pass. We don't need vaccine passes or anymore, or that limitations are gathering. These limitations that we have at the moment are gone, or that mask use. Man, we should just have a mask burning party. One day, though, not yet, right? One day, I can't wait for that. And look at CV. Um, we've been getting messages on the phone and emails telling us how, how we and other churches in Wellington should be supporting the protesters, that we should be supporting what's going on. I just want to be open about all of this. But I think about how Jesus, Jesus gave up all his rights. He surrendered all of who he is when he went to the cross, submitting himself to Jewish and Gentile leaders even to the point of death. And I think of what Paul writes about here as being a living sacrifice. And, and then whoever resists the authorities resists, resists what God has appointed. And I don't want this, please, I don't want this to be a message of judgment or condemnation on, on people who are, are at the protest or people who support it. This is not about that. Because I'm sure that there are people, good people with good intentions. And we need to be really careful not to mock, not to belittle, not to... Not to enter into, me and Tessa were talking about it last night, we have to be so careful of ourselves not to um, be drawn into this, into this division, which is getting stoked by the media, <laughs> it is, and by others, but we need to be really careful and to go, no, like, uh, we, they, uh, um, we, are all, we just come to you, Jesus, through you, right? We, we're all beloved by him. Everybody needs to weigh this up for themselves. I mean, in Romans 13, Paul says, for the sake of conscience. But from what I see, from my perspective, <laughs> from walking past, walking past it, what I see, it really jars with what I read in the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament about surrendering our rights to God. And to be honest, it reveals a log in my own eye. <laughs> it's much easier to say, oh my goodness, you people, you people got to go home, right? And then I go, oh my goodness, this is just revealing the log in my own eye. What am I doing, Lord? I'm resisting you. What am I doing? I'm not being vulnerable to you. I'm not surrendering to you in different ways. Spiritual worship. You know how Paul talks about spiritual worship. Spiritual worship is unseen. <laughs> the spirit is unseen. Spiritual worship. We cannot judge another person's worship. That's quite challenging, isn't it? I, I worship lead sometimes, and it's quite challenging to be a worship leader. And, and, and you know, I, I can see all you guys. I go, are they worshipping? Nicholas, are you worshipping this morning? <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. Spiritual worship is unseen. Only, jo only God can judge what goes on within. And this morning's message is on worship. Worshipping Jesus. And so, yes, we pray. We can pray for what is happening in our city. We pray that, that divisions end, that there's peace. We pray for health, you know? Do I support the government and everything they do? No. Do I support the protests and everything they do? No. What we're talking about today, we're, the kingdom of God is what we support, right? This is what we're about. Worshipping Jesus. Jesus is our supreme leader. I love that line. Our supreme leader. He's our role model. He's our rabbi. He's our king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one who laughs at the plots of nations and peoples and kings and rulers, like what we read in Psalm 2. We've been talking about surrendering to him, discovering life and all its fullness in him. The way of freedom, the way of joy, the way of peace, it actually involves giving up on ourselves, and this is where the battle is. <laughs> 
to the cross I look, sweetly broken. <laughs> it's the battle, isn't it? Because I want to hold on to it. I feel so much safer when I'm not standing up in front of you talking about the stuff. <laughs> in this season, <laughs> it's almost a gift of God because all of us are having to give up something. I mean, who felt really awesome singing with a mask on this morning? Isn't that the most comfortable thing you've ever done? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's sacrifice. We have to give up something. We give up our freedoms and our rights. And these are things, we have to give up things that we like to do. And I think, I wonder if in this, there's a gift of God and he's like revealing to us. He's going, what is it that you have not yet surrendered to me? What is it that we've not yet surrendered to him? And we always have a choice. God always gives us a choice and we can do what we can. In this choice, we can do what we can to try to hold on to things, you know, hold on to things, fighting for my rights or my freedoms or whatever it is, or we can surrender to God and then discover true freedom. I think about Paul and I think it was Cyrus when they were locked in a prison cell and they start singing these songs of worship and you're like, they're in a prison cell, but they are more free than anybody who's there. <laughs> well, not every, not, they're, they're free is what I'm trying to say, even though they're locked away. True freedom in the arms of God as we surrender. True, genuine spiritual worship brings true freedom, and it's in the loving arms of our Savior. <laughs> I had this really weird dream this morning, uh, not this morning, ages ago, and I think it's just really funny. It's not a spiritual dream, okay? So I don't want you to kind of read too much into it, but I'd probably been watching zombie movies and, uh, or, or things like that, and so I had this zombie movie, a zombie movie dream. Super fun. And in it, I was frantically trying to escape from zombies. I don't know. Have, has anybody had a dream like this? You have, man. This week. No way. Maybe there is a bit more to it. We can talk about it later. We can compare notes. So I'm, I'm running away from zombies. It was scary, running away from zombies. And at some point, I don't know what happened. I think I tripped over. You know how you have dreams and you're running away from something and all of a sudden your legs don't really work? Yeah, it was one of those sorts of things, and, and I think I just gave up, and, and then I was bitten by a zombie, and then, boosh, I became a zombie. <laughs> and it was awesome, because then I was not afraid of the zombies anymore. Has that happened in your dream, Dave? No, okay, different. So, you killed them all. <laughs> Yeah, you can't choose your brother-in-law. Um, but, hey, Judah. Um, <laughs> but I was no longer afraid of the zombies. And, um, and it, was just, it just highlights something to me about being a living sacrifice. You go, that's a weird connection, but it works for me, so I'm just going to give it to you. Living sacrifices are free. Living sacrifices are the most free people walking the planet today. Why? Because they've already surrendered their lives to God. They've already surrendered. Like Paul talks about being crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Living sacrifices have counted the cost and have decided that God is more than worthy of all of their lives, all of our lives. Living sacrifices, not like zombies. This is where my dream just falls right over. I don't think we should become zombies, okay? This is not what I'm endorsing today. <laughs> Living sacrifices release life. The zombies release death. Living sacrifices release life and fruit wherever they go. 
Wherever they go, wherever we go, we can be walking around going, I'm dead to myself, I'm alive to you, Jesus, and you release life in that. All right, I'm going to um, wrap it up there, and I just want to go back to read uh, Romans 11. So for this, let's stand together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, would you, would you be speaking your, your truth to us? Freedom, I believe that um, you, you're just drawing us more and more into freedom, showing us things in our, own, in our own lives that we need to let go of, to like put on the altar, to be sacrificed. And in that, there's, there's like this release of life and freedom for us and for those around us. Thank you for this scripture, Lord Jesus. It says, this is Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your judgments and how inscrutable are your ways, God. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To you, O Lord, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we honor you today. Lord, I'm so aware that we, we know in part that we, it's like we see through, we see through the, the window, the mirror, dimly. But Lord, would you increase our sight? And would you help us to be living sacrifices, to worship you with all of who we are as we discover more of who you are, Lord Jesus. Pray for your, your blessing over us, this church, over Capital Vineyard Church, over this whānau, over the ones who are here and the ones who are at home. I pray your blessing over us, Lord Jesus. You are the head of this church. You are our cornerstone. You are the God on all the sides. Would you protect us, Lord? We bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen.